What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, where we take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on imaging and observing. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Now, we're pretty much the middle of July now. Um, and we've got some new stuff to talk about today. Um, and we're actually really excited about this one. This is a scope I've been looking forward to for a while as it's been under development and all that fun stuff. Um, so it's, it's really a cool little telescope, uh, that I'm actually kind of excited to cover and show you guys some of the, uh, the nifty little things that it does. Uh, but before we really get started, if you like what you see here on the What's Up web uh, webcast, uh, please hit subscribe, uh, maybe leave a like on a video, and if you have any questions or uh, ideas for a future What's Up webcast episode, email us info at skywatcherusa.com and title that What's Up. Um, again, we do schedule these in monthly segments. Um, a lot of these are done quarterly um, as well, so if you don't see your idea, we throw things in the queue and we see what fits where. So it might take a little bit of time for the episode that you might've requested to come up because we have to figure out where it fits. All right. So Skywatcher for several years now has been selling the Quattro series. The Quattros are F4 Newtonians. Um, they are designed for astrophotography in particular, um, but they don't just have to be used for astrophotography. Um, and one of the nice things about these telescopes is they're fast. They have the F4 optics um, and they're relatively affordable. That's the advantage of kind of a Newtonian telescope is it's easy to make a fairly fast optical assembly um, in comparison to a lot of these other exotic designs that are on the market. Quite honestly, every telescope on the market has its place and they're generally pretty good optical systems. Um, and each one is gonna have its pluses and minuses. But I do find that Newtonians are generally overlooked. Um, I think a lot of people overlook them because they hear collimation and they freak out and they run away um, thinking that's really difficult and it's hard to do and it's not. Especially if the telescope is designed well and it holds collimation well. So, the Quattros have been pretty nice for us for many years. Uh, they've come in eight inch, 10 inch and 12 inch. Um, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but let me get into this real quick. Um, uh, for a while, for the last several years, we've had three models. We've had the eight inch, uh, 10 inch and 12 inch or 200 millimeter, 250 millimeter, 300 millimeter, all F4 optical systems. However, I always thought there was a little bit of room to add something smaller and the factory and the engineers did too. So now our collection consists of six inch, eight inch, 10 inch, and 12 inch. Um, and that's where our new little Quattro 150P comes into play. Um, 150 millimeter, uh, that's obviously 150, and the P stands for parabolic. Um, so if you didn't know what that actually stood for in the Skywatcher naming convention, uh, P stands for parabolic. Um, now the Quattro 150 is kind of a cool little thing. It's a great package for beginners and advanced users alike. Um, it's a very nice little uh, system and we've tried to package it so it's pretty much ready to go. I don't wanna jump ahead too much uh, quite yet. Um, and it, it does include everything that you're gonna need in the box to really make this work. So it's a little bit unique in comparison to its larger sisters um, in the line. So this one is actually ready to go from the ground up and we're going to get into that as well uh, the nice thing about this little telescope is it's little it's lightweight um, and that means it can work on a large variety of mounts that are on the market um, even something like the celestron avx or our heq5 um, anything bigger than that is just gravy at that point um, it's a more solid setup and then lastly, these are a fraction of the price of an ED APO refractor. Um, obviously, APO refractors have kind of been the go-to system uh, for astrophotography because they're simple, there's little maintenance on them, um, they're generally well corrected, uh, it's easy to get a nice corrected flat field uh, for astrophotography purposes. So 
that's kind of been a, and then of course you don't need a very large mount that's kind of been the default uh, telescope design for many many years and there have been other uh, F4 Newtonians on the market. They are available, but nothing quite as complete as what the 150 uh, Quattro is going to provide. And hopefully by the end of the episode here, you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. So let me get into the specifications so we can actually have a little bit more in-depth conversation about it. So again, uh, the aperture on this telescope is 150 millimeters, so 6-inch diameter. Uh, its native focal length is 600 millimeters. That's an F4. And it only weighs 12, a little over 12 and a half pounds, which is about 5.7 kilos. And then it's just under two feet long at 22 inches or 55.8 centimeters. Um, so it's a fairly small little tube uh, for what it is. Uh, it's a great little visual telescope, uh, but it fits on a wide range of mounts because of that only weighing 12 and a half pounds so the one drawback on newtonians like this is because they are bigger optical tubes um, compared to say an equivalent ed refractor um, they get a little bulky pretty quickly uh, that's something that you'll find especially as you look into the 10 and the 12 inch quattros um, while they are affordable telescopes in comparison to other telescopes of those focal lengths that thousand 1200 millimeter ballpark um, they do demand a fairly large mount to keep them rigid. Now, the 8-inch has been a really popular telescope because it can easily fit on like an EQ6R, but at that point, we're still talking about, you know, $15 to $2,000 investment on the mount where the tube is easily, you know, is just under $1,000. Um, so that's the one drawback I find with Newtonians is they themselves are affordable, but very, very quickly, the mounts that are required to hold those larger tubes become very unaffordable for many of us very, very quickly. Now, a lot of beginners nowadays are also looking for telescopes that are fairly forgiving when we're talking about focal length. So if you're doing astrophotography and you're just getting started, you probably want to aim for something that's about 600 millimeter focal length or less because that makes it very easy to get a nice chunk of sky. You don't really have to worry as much about the guiding accuracy of your mount um, because generally you've got a pretty wide field of view. You're not zoomed in. So, you know, guiding around one to two arc seconds, depending on your conditions, um, is easy to do. It's very obtainable. It's very forgiving. Um, but to generally get that kind of focal length, you got to invest some money. And that's where, you know, you're looking at probably a, a 70 or 80 millimeter ED refractor or bigger, depending on what the budget is. And at that point, it doesn't really matter if you're in an ED 80 millimeter APO refractor, you're already about a thousand dollars in no matter where you go on the market. And that's not including the corrector that you need to make it flat field and all that fun stuff that goes along with it. So you're easily probably $1,300 to $1,500 in for an 80 millimeter refractor right off the bat. And that's probably also somewhere between F6 and F7-ish um, as far as the F ratio goes. So that's a bit of cash to spend on something. Um, it, they are very effective telescopes. We do very well with them here. Um, they're one of our most popular, like the Evo Star 80, the Evo Lux 82, um, even our Evo Lux 62, the Evo Star um, 72, all those little refractors. And of course, there's a bunch of other ones out there from, you know, William Optics, uh, Stellar View, Takahashi, if we're going really high end, um, as well as many other brands out there. There's a lot of little APO refractors out there on the market um, but you're looking at about a thousand dollars or more in there so what if you want to be more on a budget and that's kind of where the 150 uh, p starts to slip in very nicely um, now this telescope is equipped with a two inch dual speed crayford focuser it does not have the linear rail focuser that the larger ones have um, for this particular telescope that works just fine uh, the optics are fully collimatable, so the primary and secondary are adjustable, so you can easily align the two together. 
Uh, that's a big thing. We did an interview, uh, my boss, Jeff Simon, and myself. We actually did a interview with uh, Astro Gear today this week. Um, that should be coming out, I think, in the next couple weeks. Uh, we'll have to link that somewhere. But uh, that was a big thing because it came up in the topic about affordable telescopes. And one of the biggest problems I have with affordable, certain affordable telescopes is you can't collimate them, particularly with like a Newtonian design where maybe only the secondary is adjustable and the primary is fixed. I really hate those designs because if you're getting into astronomy, you have to understand that there's going to be basic maintenance on your telescope, especially when it comes to a Newtonian or some kind of reflecting telescope. There is adjustments that every now and again will have to be made to keep the optics in line. And the sooner you understand that and the sooner you become acquainted with it, it becomes just part of the routine. And that's something I like to start as early as possible. So I don't like to have telescopes, and this is probably why you'll find a lot of, there will be, at least for Skywatcher here in North America, I don't like to carry those telescopes in our lineup, the ones that have like a fixed primary and you can collimate the secondary, because I don't feel like that really establishes the correct way to maintain a Newtonian telescope. If you're going to get a Newtonian, whether it's a Dobsonian or like a Quattro, you should understand that it will require collimation. And in order to do that, you need to adjust the primary and the secondary. And that way, once you've become acquainted with that, you can own everything from our little 5-inch heritage daub to making your own like 28 or 30-inch daub like I've done. They all work the same. And it's not scary once you understand the basics of that and that's just what comes with owning a newtonian so for us here in the u.s and canada we find that it's best to have telescopes that allow the owners to become familiar with how to maintain that system correctly and the quattro 150 is no different the secondary is fully collimatable and as well as the primary now we do have our rack coatings the raq coatings are what we call them um, they are 94% reflectivity coatings. They have a quartz overcoat on them. That's on both the primary and secondary mirror. So you're getting really high reflectivity off these mirrors. And because they do have that quartz overcoat, they are well protected. They are hard coating. So if you're going to clean them, maybe once a year, um, you don't have to worry about dust and stuff like that, harming the coatings. These are made to last for a long time. And, I mean, you're investing in equipment. So these coatings are designed to last with you as you go through uh, your career in astrophotography. Now, if you ever had to get like the primary recoded, which can happen with a Newtonian probably after a decade or two of use, you can easily get the, sec the primary mirror out, ship that off and get it recoded if you have to do that. But again, these coatings are very, very hard and very durable. So they're going to be able to last years into the future um, for you there. So, uh, What collimation tools? I'm actually going to get to that at the end, Nico, but that's a good question. Uh, so Quattro accessories. Here's what's in the box of the Quattro 150. And this one's rather unique compared to the larger three. Um, this is a much more turnkey system. So we have mounting rings. The Vixen-style dovetail plate. Uh, we have the inch and a quarter adapter, two-inch adapter, 6x30 finder scope, 22-millimeter, 70-degree, inch and a quarter eyepiece, which is actually new um, to our lineup. It's, it's actually quite a nice eyepiece. It's unlike anything else we've provided with our telescopes. Um, it is a... I'm not... I would love to get a hold of a line of these if we could because they are actually a very nice eyepiece. This is not a plossal, it's not like our supers, it's unique to the Quattro 150, but it's a very nice eyepiece, nice long eye relief. It's, it's a, it really is, I was actually quite impressed with the eyepiece that was included with this. Um, that comes in the box with it, so if you wanna use the telescope visually, you are ready to go. So, um, and then we have our typical spacers to allows eyepieces as well as cameras to come to focus. That's why we include those, these little tube things down here. These are like extension tubes. There's two inch and inch and a quarter. 
All of our Dobsonians and Newtonians are designed to work with cameras. So in order to get the correct focus point for a camera, we need more in focus. And for eyepieces, we need more outward focus. So we actually include two of these adapters for two inch and inch and a quarter to be used. So you can use it visually as well as use it as an astrograph. Um, and then a unique thing about this particular telescope is it comes with the coma corrector in the box. All the other ones you actually have to get your own, the RF4 coma corrector, you could use a paracore, or whatever you're going to use. Um, this one comes with a matched coma corrector. It is a little bit different design. Um, it's a modified design of the F4 coma corrector that's used on the larger ones um, because of the shorter focal length. Now, one of the big things about this coma corrector that's a little bit different is it also reduces the focal ratio. Um, so while the telescope of the Quattro 150 itself is a native F4 Newtonian, with the included coma corrector installed, you're actually dropping it down to F3.45. So that gets really interesting for newcomers and even advanced users because f34 is quite fast especially when we're talking about a telescope that's less than 600 dollars at the time of this recording um the fact that you get all that in the box for 600 bucks is nuts um i was surprised that we were able to maintain that price as well again this is at the time of the recording so let's talk a little bit about imaging because that's exactly what this system is designed to do. So the Quattro 150 is a turnkey astrograph, which means everything you need is in the box for the most part. The only thing you're going to need is a mount and your camera system. So in the box, like I said, it comes with the coma corrector slash reducer. That takes the telescope from its native F4 focal ratio to F3.45. That means it's 8.7 times faster than an F10 optic and four times faster than F7. So if you have one of these little 80 millimeter refractors and you're imaging at F7, let's say it's 600 millimeters, so it's the same focal length as the Quattro. Well, actually, when the Quattro 150 is reduced, it's actually 518 is the focal length. So if you're imaging with something that's about 500 millimeters, probably around F6 or F7 ballpark if it's a refractor, this telescope is around four times faster than those telescopes with its corrector installed, which means your exposures can be four times shorter or you're getting four times the amount of light in that same time. So if you're shooting at F7, what takes you four minutes, a four minute exposure to get, the Quattro 150 can do that in a minute, which is quite impressive. Um, so this is why something like this is really interesting for not only advanced users, but also beginning imagers, because you have that speed when that's paired with a lot of these modern day cameras that you're putting on it with those really high QEs, um, you can pound out an image really fast. The only thing that's faster than this particular telescope right now would be a Rasa 8, um, which is almost two thousand dollars or a c6 paired with say like a hyperstar um, from star arizona at that point all good systems um, but you're going to be investing more in that type of telescope um, at that point not that they're bad they're a great little system it's just slightly different they are faster um, but if you're coming off of or considering like a refractor um Something like this that's less money and gives you more bang for your buck is something to consider. For those of you who don't know what QE is on the modern day camera or any camera, it's quantum efficiency. It's basically how efficient the sensor is. So that'll tell you in a percentage. It's basically how much light or data is coming through the sensor if you're getting all of that. Most of them are in the high 90s nowadays, which is pretty nice. The included corrector illuminates APS-C sensors, and they're not ideal full. Ugh, it's not ideal for full frame. Here's a test shot of M42, and we we're uh, testing it uh, with a full frame. This is a Canon uh, EOS R that we tested this with. Um, you can see the vignetting's uh, pretty heavy. You could probably get away with a full frame and taking some flats um, to correct that, but the uh, 
stars at the edge tend to get a little weird on a full frame sensor. It's much better. The coma corrector that comes with this is really designed for those crop sensors, APS-C size sensors. Um, full frame is really pushing the, the coma corrector's corrective capability at the edges. Um, but you could take flats and stuff like that to correct the vignetting, but you won't be able to get rid of the, the stars at the edge that might have a little bit of coma um, for that. That's because they're primarily designed for the smaller crop sensors. But you can see there's a test shot with the full frame. Um, this is a perfect little telescope for the beginning imager. And the reason being, like I've said before, is for the three bullet points, it's turnkey, it's affordable, it's fast. So you're you're really kind of fitting um this well with a lot of different things um here's some test images these were taken uh, a little while ago um this is only an hour worth of data this is from my backyard in north phoenix um zwo294 and an l enhance filter um you know for an hour's worth of data that's pretty good from a backyard. Um, nice framing with that. We could go a little bit bigger. Um, this could handle a larger sensor than the 294, but it does a nice job. Here's another one. This is an hour's worth of uh, data on the rosette. Um, that's also a nice uh, image as well. But that speed, that f3.4 speed, um, does really make a difference especially if you're trying to get a lot done or you're trying to maybe finish an image in a night or two from your backyard where if you're trying to do other stuff with a short or a longer focal length telescope it's going to take more time so that's where i was saying if you're using like a refractor that's 600 millimeters that's f6 or f7 um the the Quattro 150 is able to produce that same level of image four times faster. So you can actually get a whole image done in one night um, with a scope like this because of that extra speed. And that also makes it a lot more forgiving for like a beginner who's maybe trying to figure out auto guiding. Maybe you haven't quite mastered auto guiding yet. Um, it's less demanding because you can get away with shorter exposures at this point as well. And if you are going to do... Um, longer exposures you can just get more signal to noise ratio um, because of that speed um, so just a couple little things there's some questions here i'll try to get to as well um, just continuing on the imaging front here um, the 150p uh, with the corrector like i said is 518 millimeters so that brings it down to f3.4 um, here is a APS-C size sensor. This is a 2600, um, which is about the max size sensor the coma corrector can handle. But you can see that frames up Andromeda really well. Um, so you're at that wide field. I think it's like 2.8 degrees, uh, long ways by like one and three quarter degrees, somewhere in there. Um, that's a big chunk of sky um, with something like that. So that's a, a little telescope does a nice job. Now, here's the big thing that I wanted to touch base on with these imaging Newtonians. It's not just the 150, um, but we're gonna, excuse me, but we're gonna focus on just the 150 right now. There's a lot of cameras that are coming out on the market nowadays uh, from ZWO, QHY, and many other ones, many other manufacturers where the pixels of these cameras are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And these longer focal length uh, optical systems just don't really make sense anymore. You could do binning um, to get that to match up with your seeing and get those really sharp images really uh, nicely. But because the pixels are getting smaller on these cameras, shorter focal length optical systems are making more sense. Um, now, right now, refractors kind of rule that market uh place because they are usually the only ones that have that short focal length aside from say like the Rosses and the hyperstar systems um but newtonians like the quattros and similar telescopes are something if you're in the market for something like this you should really really take a look at it because the math also backs it up uh generally when you're trying to build an imaging system you want to match it to your local seeing conditions and most of us in our backyard 
are going to average one to two arc seconds per pixel um, for our imaging system. And if you look at a lot of the modern day cameras that are coming out with these sensors that have really tiny pixels, these Newtonians really make a lot of sense because not only are they fast, so that means shorter exposures or more data in less time, but they also make sense when we're talking about the image scale um, with a modern day camera. So let's take something like the 183, which is probably the smallest pixels I know. I think it's like 2.4 microns. They're really tiny. Um, a 183 camera at one by one bin you're at 0.96 arc seconds per pixel. That's almost a perfect match. So if you have a 183 camera, this little telescope with its reducer, with its coma corrector is almost a perfect match for one another. Now, there's a couple other cameras that you can also take a look at. And a lot of these will be similar across the rest of the Quattro line. That's where it's something to think about. If you have like an older 1600 camera, um, 1.5 arc seconds per pixel uh, roughly at one by one bin. Um, the modern day 533 and 2600 or the 571 sensor is what's in the ZW2600 but the 571 based chips um, that's also roughly 1.5 arc seconds per pixel. Um, these are perfect matches for the Quattro 150 and even some of its larger uh, sisters in the line where it matches up with most of our seeing conditions in our backyard which means not only are you getting those nice fast optics and short exposure times you're also getting razor sharp images because you've matched the pixel size of the camera to the telescope so it's kind of giving everything that you want you're getting a well corrected system you're getting really fast optics, so your exposures are short, less uh, demand on your mount as far as guiding goes. Um, or if you're shooting longer, you're getting more data out of it, and you're also matched to your seeing conditions. So now you've really got these ultra-sharp images that you're starting to get because all the factors are coming together at that point. And then, of course, if you have the 294, you're looking at 1.8 four uh, arc seconds per pixel so all these really popular cameras that are on the market right now and some of them that many of us probably either own or maybe you've considered buying make a heck of a lot of sense with the quattros um, and other telescopes with these focal lengths but primarily with the these f4 optical systems you're getting all that speed um, there and you're getting it for not a lot of money, which is the big advantage of a Newtonian. The only thing you really have to play with is collimation. And collimation really isn't that scary once you mess with it and you have the right tools, which we'll start uh, talking about in a minute. Um, another advantage of using a Newtonian system in comparison to some of the front-mounted, uh, like the Rasas, those are all great systems, but you can become limited on what on a couple different factors, you can become limited on these fast F2 systems. Number one, if you want to have some real narrow band filters, maybe you're doing monochrome work, you have to get specialty offset high speed filters. It's not the end of the world, but it's something to consider. You have to get some specialty filters if you want narrow, really narrow band filters. They have to be specialized for those fast optical systems or you need to go with a wider band pass on your narrow band filter. So not the end of the world. On the imaging Newtonians, because the telescope is, is bouncing the light off the, out the side, um, you're starting to look at no obstruction or no additional obstruction in comparison to like something like the front-mounted Hyperstar and the Rasa systems. You don't have that obstruction anymore. Um, so you can put as big of a camera on the side of the telescope as you want. And because for most of the time we're talking about F3, 4 um, with the coma corrector on the Quattro 150 or even F4, you can go all the way down to those really narrow 3 nanometer um, filters and you're not clipping any light. You don't need anything special at that point. You can use any filter that you want on the market um, and still get 
you know, pr that high speed capability um, at f3.4, f4 even. Um, so that's something to think about as well. But you're not obstructing any light with your filter wheel um, or the camera or whatever it is because it's all hanging off the side right there. So no big deal. Um, another thing, these are a lot easier to motorize, um, you know, a ZWO EAF or whatever. Um, you're really looking at an easy focuser system to automate if you want to run it uh, either remotely or maybe you're just doing an automated run in your backyard or in the field. But having some just the standard uh, Crayford style focuser makes it really easy to just pop a motor on there. And you're all set to go so um, before I get into the recommended accessories I'm going to try to dig through some of these uh, questions real quick uh, will the reducer on this scope make nasty stars um, reducers have bad rep for ruining optics and give purple halos uh, I'm not sure what reducers you're using um, but if you if you're using a if you have a system that is using a reducer that's been designed um, and matched specifically to that optical train, you shouldn't have those major optical problems. Um, if you're using a cheap reducer or a corrector, then yeah, you'll probably have some issues. Um, but the corrector that comes with the Quattro 150 has been specifically designed for the Quattro 150. That's why it comes in the box and it's not sold separately because it's designed with the telescope in mind and it's matched to the optical prescription of this telescope. Um, this is a four element ED based corrector. So um, while it is speeding things up, there's also a ED element in there that corrects for any color aberrations around bright stars um, while it's doing all that. So we never saw any optical issues uh, testing this. It's also fully multi-coated, which gets rid of any glare um, and tries to reduce any kind of halo effect um, I, when testing the samples that I've seen, I have not seen any halo problems or, uh, nasty stars or anything like that, unless you're using a full frame camera and then you're starting to push it or if the spacing is wrong, um, which, you know, if it's, if they're wrong, then that's something you're going to have to look at, but 55 millimeter back focus for this particular corrector. So there's room to, to move some stuff around, but I have not seen any halos or, weird stars on on this system the ones that we've tested and i haven't heard anybody complain about them uh i'm considering one of your quattro 10 or 12 inch models would they be stable enough on a cm70 for my optron um the 12 inch is a monster of a telescope um so the quattro 300 or the 12 inch model is 57 pounds and it is a beast to move around. Um, you, I don't have much experience with the CEM mounts. Um, you could probably squeak one on a 70. Um, I find that the 12-inch Quattro really does better with mounts that are at 100-pound payload capacity. I've done it on my Paramount MX or the EQ8Rs. Um, quite honestly, if you want a 12-inch Quattro, you'd probably be looking more like a CEM120 for an ideal match because that's really a big, big tube. The Quattro 250 or the 10 inch would probably be your better choice for the CM70 because it's like 34 pounds or something like that. You're only losing 200 millimeters of focal length. So it's really not that big of a deal between the 10 and the 12, um, unless there's something specific you want the 12 for. But uh, if you're running a CEM60, I would probably recommend doing a Quattro 1 or 250, the 10-inch, if you're deciding between the 10 and the 12. Uh, let's see. On my Newtonian, I currently have good collimation. However, the star shape is more like a triangle. Any ideas if that could be? It's probably the uh, mirror clips on the primary are set too tight. Um, so you'd probably want to pop the primary cell off and just back those little clips it depends on the manufacturer um, for any of our stuff there's generally three clips holding the primary in place um, if those are too tight it will warp the mirror and give you these really weird diffraction uh, stuff on there so you can loosen those just a bit so it's still holding the mirror down but it's not 
warping the mirror. So that's probably what's going on there. Uh, will there be our carbon models? No. Um, we have discontinued carbon fiber a long time ago. Um, the factory does not make carbon fiber quatras anymore. It really didn't make a lot of sense. Um, the reduction in weight didn't make a lot of sense in comparison to the addition in price. Um, and especially when we're talking about like the Quattro 150P, it already weighs under 13 pounds. So making a carbon fiber tube wouldn't really help a whole lot as far as weight savings, but it would probably make it a lot more expensive. So there just wasn't any reason for us to continue it. So there are no more carbon fiber um, options in the Quattro line, unless you're looking on a used one. They do come up every now and again. They look cool. They're nice, but they're not in production anymore. Um, can the Skywatcher Los Monte plates be mounted like a cross? Oh, I see what you're trying to do. The whole pattern never matches. Um, okay, so you're trying to do a tandem setup on an EQ8. Uh, I don't know that you could do a cross, but ADM Accessories does make an adapter for stuff like that. Um, that a friend of mine's got it, and it works pretty well. Um, but they make a special saddle. They did that for the old CGE mounts. Um, and let's see, ugh, let me see if I can find it um, while we're talking. Um, there is an adapter out there that you can get from ADM that would make your life a lot easier. Let me see if I can find it and bring it up here. It's like a T-bar or a crossbar, um, something like that that does make that a lot easier to actually do. Here it is. Um, this is what you'd want right here if you're trying to do a tandem setup on like an EQ8. Um, or you could make something similar to that, but basically it's just a, one saddle that's uh, flipped and then you have the dovetail. So it adds a little bit of weight, but uh, this would be the setup I would do and have seen done with an EQ8 style mount where you can't move the saddle easily and you want to do tandem, I would get one of these from ADM and that would solve your problem right there. Um, so reach out to ADM if you're looking for something like that. Uh, let's see. We're good on time. Let me see. How do the Quattros match up per pixel to the Hyperstar systems? Mike, um, it would really depend on which hyperstar we're talking about um they're fairly comparable but you know let's um here we'll just do astronomy tools um you could also do all this on our scope wizard app that would help you figure a bunch of this out too um here let's just plug this in real quick m31 um Star Arizona, because I don't know all the specs off the top of my head for a hyperstar. The hyperstars are awesome uh, pieces of equipment, especially if you have like a Schmidt Cassegrain. So, Steve and everyone over there don't think I'm knocking the hyperstar, but um, they are definitely a nice little system, especially if you have a Schmidt Cassegrain. So, um, but if you don't, that's something else to think about. So let's see. The Hyperstar C8, which is really popular, is F1.9, which is 5390. Um, doesn't really matter. Let's do a 2600 because that's like the big default camera right now. The 2600 also has the same pixel size as like the uh, um, 533 which is really popular but they're both uh, 3.8 micron pixels or something like that um so you're looking at one about two arc seconds per pixel which isn't bad that that's nice too um so it's fairly comparable just depends on the camera combo that you're looking for uh, but you can go to astronomy tools and mess around with the calculator to figure out what your pixel size is there not bad. It's it's within the you know one to two arc second per pixel range. Let's see where are we going. Will ZWEAF work on the Crotcher 150P? Shouldn't be a problem. Um, we're actually probably gonna buy one uh, for our Quattro 150 that we're putting out at our remote site. Um, it's probably something we'll do a little bit later. Does the coma corrector that comes with the Quattro 150 work well with other reflectors? Don't know. Haven't tested it um, on that. I'm currently considering a Starzone and Nexus, but hesitate to have two reflector correctors. 
Um, I'm sure if it's around 600 millimeters, it would probably do okay. But again, I have not tested it on other systems. I've only tested it on ours. So I don't know how the Quattro 150 corrector will work on other ones. Uh, if you're just talking about the F4 coma corrector, that one I have tested on other telescopes and it works fine. Um, if they're around that F4 focal ratio, I've actually used it on our Stargate Dobsonians to image through those before. Those are about F4. It worked really well. Um, any spikes from the focuser in the light path or the clips holding the optic? Um, haven't seen anything on these ones, um, but yeah, it should. They should be okay. Uh, okay, continuing on. If you have more acce or accessories, if you have more questions, just throw them in the chat. And we can get to them. Uh, recommended accessories. I don't have too many of them. Uh, the first one would probably be the collimation tools that you need to align it. Um, I find the best, most cost-effective option on the market for collimation is the Hotec 2-inch crosshair laser. Um, this is the laser I recommend the most, whether you own a Quattro or any Newtonian or a Dobsonian. Um, I have one of these. I use it all the time. Uh, these are perfect uh, for collimation. Um, I do like the crosshair version more than the dot because if you're way off, you can see one of the lines from the crosshair sticking out into the target and it makes it easier to make the adjustment uh, to get it into the target itself. So you don't need the crosshair laser, but if you can spend a little bit more, I actually find that I prefer the crosshair uh, laser um, over the dot, um, but both are just as effective but um, those are great. You can get the inch and a quarter one, but the two inch one, if you have a two inch focuser, just get the two inch. Um, I like these because they have the self-centering um, system on it. Um, there's no screws you have to mess around with. It just seats really nicely into the focuser. Um, so that's the Hotec uh, two inch crosshair. That is um, my favorite uh, laser collimator. Of course, there is the Howie Gladder laser system as well, which is phenomenal, but it's expensive. Um, I mean, it's several hundred dollars for the whole system. So um, for something basic like the, the little Quattro 150, the Hotec works just fine. If you have a Gladder, that's fine too. Um, I find the gladders work really good on much larger telescopes where it's hard to see. I use that on my 28 inch because it's eight feet away. Um, it's easier to collimate with that. But um, I think for under 200 bucks, the best collimator you can get is the two inch crosshair Hotec laser collimator. That is my favorite. That's what I used when I was doing service on Skywatcher stuff. Um, Still have it, still use it. Um, that would be my recommendation for collimating on these scopes. Uh, the next thing would be the Starzone Nexus Coma Corrector. Now this one is a universal corrector, so it can actually be used on any of the Quattro Newtonians that are out there. Um, on all of them, it drops it by uh, 0.75, so you're going off of the native F4 um, optic in there. Um, so the Nexus uh, drops all of them down to F3. Uh, so if you're talking about the, the Quattro 150, uh, the speed's being increased by 80% um, at that point. Um, I believe that's over the F3.4 F ratio too. Hold on just a sec. Let me verify that. Speed difference. Um, 3.45 by 3. Okay, so it's 80% over from the F4 um, focal ratio. It's 30% increase over the 3.45 with the included corrector. So you get a little bit of a boost um, with compared to the included corrector. But if you're just running it at four, um, you're talking an 80% increase. It's 450 millimeters on the Quattro 150P, um, which is a real short, snappy, speedy little thing. Um, it is compatible with all the Newtonians as well as many other Newtonians on the market. It has a 28 millimeter image circle, so all those APS-C sensors work well. Um, here's Andromeda through a, a six inch F4. Um, this is from Star Arizona. Thanks for sending that over because they, they have one of these little scopes. Um, and that's with a ZWO 2600. So the field on that is very nice 
it's very quick um, at F3, so you can really collect a lot of data um, in there uh, with a one-shot color system or if you're doing anything like that. It's just the Quattro 150 is a very convenient little telescope. You get everything you need in the box. Um, it's lightweight, works on a wide variety of mounts, you know, especially in the affordable under 1500, under the 2500 ballpark. Um, it's a very forgiving little telescope. The only thing you have to really work on is collimation, which if you have one of those Hotec lasers, um, it's easy. So uh, there's a couple more questions in here. But real quick, if you like what you see, that's pretty much it for the episode. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. let lets us know we're doing a good job. Um, next week, we are talking about trends in astrophotography. I'm sure I'm going to upset some people in that episode. But hey, <laughs> join us for that. Uh, but we really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, we will also have Phil Plate um, on as our special guest at the end of the month. So that's going to be a really cool episode. And speaking of Phil Plate, because Phil actually worked on the Hubble Space Telescope, uh, we're also going to be talking about the NASA James Webb Space Telescope and see what that's all about. Um, if you haven't seen the images, which I don't know where and under what rock you've been living if you have not gone here, but go to the Flickr page, uh, James Webb Flickr, just Google that, because that's where all the high-res images are currently sitting. Go ahead and click on it. The Stefan's Quintet shot is my favorite. Um, obviously, it looks really good there, but the cool thing about this is you can really zoom in on the Stefan's Quintet shot on the Flickr page, and the amount of galaxies that are in there is stupid um what's kind of cool about this particular shot is it's something that many of us have probably seen through a telescope or maybe even imaged um and seeing what the james webb telescope did with it is just a whole nother can of worms um with it it's really impressive because i've shot this with our remote observatory in the esprit 150 and you can see them, they're kind of tiny, but there's none of this other stuff in the background. So that's nuts. I've seen it through a couple big daubs. This obviously uh, takes the cake. But yeah, at the end of the month, we're going to be talking more about the James Webb Telescope, sitting down with uh, Phil Plate, who worked on the Hubble, um, and kind of getting his opinion on that too. So that should be a really cool episode. But we're constantly going to keep an eye out about what's going on at James Webb, because the images. Every time it's going to shoot something, it's going to be incredible. So we're going to see uh, that as well. Um, let's see. I think there's a couple more little questions floating around in here. Um, blah, blah, blah. Talked about spikes from the light path. Nope. That's already did that one. Uh, will the corrector work with the two inch rack and pinion focuser? Um, it, it should. Um, the I'm not sure which telescope you're actually using that corrector on, but it should be fine. Um, I mean, the Nexus is two inch. It's, as long as you can get it all the way into where it needs to go, it should be fine. And our corrector is no different. So don't know. It depends on the focuser you've got. Um, and one of the photos, it looked like you had a full filter wheel and mono camera on the one for any issues with the focus slip with that much weight oh um nico's talking about this back here right there uh this is a this is my starlight express 694 monochrome um with the seven position uh wheel that they had um this was a limited edition run we did a couple years ago for the 20th anniversary that we did. They're not available anymore in the green, but you can go to Starlight Express and buy the 694 with that filter wheel in black um, if you want. I didn't have any issues with the slip um, on this one. Uh, the focusers can be tuned pretty well. Um, there are standard or, uh, Crayford focuser that's found on a lot of our other ones. A lot of people give that focuser a bad rap. That's normally because they're not tuned right. Um, we have instructions that you can email support at skywatcherusa.com. We'll send you the PDF on how to adjust it. When the focusers are actually tensioned correctly, they don't slip. And you can put a lot of weight on them too. So I haven't really found the issue um, with this. But this isn't a very heavy camera system either. It's only two pounds maybe. So never had an issue um, from that. Uh, but should be should be good to go there especially with the larger zwos that are out there should be fine um especially if it's tuned especially if you have a motor focuser too it should um be able to do that 
a uh, couple more questions is the light leak avoided on the back of the primary mirror um i guess if you're in a really bright location the primary mirror is visible from the back um you can see the back of the mirror um for cooling purposes we do that i guess if you're having some kind of light leak you could put like a shower cap on the back of it or something like that i haven't really found a problem with that um in my backyard when I was taking flats, I didn't really have a light leak problem um, with it, but you could always address that. Um, let's see. These are in stock at the time of recording. Uh, you can call up any dealer right now in the U.S. and Canada, and you can get one in probably a week. Um, we have them in stock right now, and some dealers might even have them sitting around. But, yeah, it wouldn't take long for you to get one if you want one because um, they're here. Um, will there be a Quattro 200 package like the? That's a good question. Will we do a 200p package with the coma corrector? That's not a bad idea, but we'd have to kind of sit down and make a make see what we could do with that. But maybe we'll have to take a look at that. So, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. That's the Quattro 150p. Um, it's a it's a cute little telescope. Um, you'll probably see some reviews pop up around it. Um, but if you're looking to get started in astrophotography or you want a really wide field system that's fast and doesn't obstruct the aperture and it's easy to use and doesn't cost a lot of money, um, the 150p is really like, there's not much on the market like it at its price point at this point. So um, go out there, check it out. We're really proud of it. It's an awesome little telescope. Uh, don't let collimation scare you. It's really not a big deal. And, uh, you know, go out and have a good time. But if you're looking for something that acts like, almost acts like an Esprit um, with no color aberrations, but it's fast and can handle the smaller sensors, a Quattro 150P is a fun little thing uh, to mess around with and it doesn't weigh a whole heck of a lot. So if you're limited on your mount and you want something fast, there you go. So anyway, that's pretty much it for today's episode. Uh, let, there's one more. During the episode of collimation, can you please cover making the focuser? Oh, okay. We'll have to do an episode on collimation at some point. That might be tricky because there's different ways to do collimation on different scopes. So that's not a bad idea to do an episode on collimation, but we'll take a look at that. Um, with that being said, everyone, that's all I've got for today. If you have any questions, please email us at uh, support at skywatcherusa.com. If it's about the webcast, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, thanks very much for watching. Have a great weekend, and we will see you guys next Friday. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye.